It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's a, a sports, sports rush, rush with, with Brett Ruff. Ruff. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are incredible!
you know, Griff and Tom Allen have a relationship that goes back to when uh, Isaac, Shannon's son, played at Indiana University and, of course, had that horrific accident down in Florida. And uh, and, and Griff and Tom Allen uh, became became pretty close over that situation and have maintained a relationship. So it worked out pretty well that Griff was able to get Coach Tom Allen. I would, And one of the things that really came out of that for me, and if you haven't heard it, be sure you check it out on our podcast, and you can find it just simply going to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump. Search for it wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. But the thing I got out of that, I loved when uh, Griff asked about the multiple sport athletes. Because we all know Tom Allen last Friday night went and watched Tay Johnson play basketball. Now he's recruiting him for football, but he went to a basketball game. And you wonder, what does a coach, a football coach, look for in an athlete when he's watching him play a second sport? How supportive is he of that athlete playing a second sport? And You know, there's this thought right now that you've got to commit year-round to a certain sport to get to a point where you can be noticed and earn that scholarship. Well, let me tell you something. If you perform a sport better than other people perform a sport, whether you commit to it year-round or you commit to it for four or five months a season, it uh, you're going to get recruited. I mean, coaches are going to find find you and. and I, and I love the fact that most coaches now in college sports understand the value of kids playing multiple sports. And they're encouraging it. And Tom Allen said this yesterday, that he encourages players to play multiple sports, to have to play for different coaches, to have different teammates, to be using different muscle groups and uh, and what it does to well-round an athlete, I thought it was fascinating. It was terrific stuff. And, of course, if you didn't catch it live, always catch up by going to our podcast page, uh, Sports Rush with Brett Rump, wherever you listen to podcasts. But big thanks to those two guys, John Nolan on Wednesday, Shannon Griffith on Thursday for filling in. Uh, last night was all about college basketball. And uh, we had a thriller here in um, – in Ohio, I guess it's not really here anymore because we took the short bus drive from Dayton down to uh, down to Cincinnati uh, a couple of hours ago. So now I am sitting in a hotel, and this is pretty fascinating. I'm sitting in a hotel looking at the Ohio River, and across the river I can see both uh, Paul Brown Stadium, and I can, see, which I think now is like Paycor Stadium, and then I can see uh, Great American Ballpark because we're actually on the Kentucky side of the river, looking straight across at uh, at downtown Cincinnati. And coming up tomorrow, the Mastodons will take on Northern Kentucky after a big road win last night against Wright State. Mastodons were terrific in the battle against the Raiders. Wright State came in. And they had won two in a row. Uh, they're always one of the top programs in the recent league. They're kind of a gauge because last year the Mastodons lost twice to them. And so, uh, in fact, the Mastodons had never won in history at the Nutter Center against Wright State University. And so it was a, a historic night as the Mastodons got the 88-80 to victory. And it really... I'd like to say it wasn't that close, but it was closer. It was 84-80 at one point, but the Mastodons had a 19-point second-half lead. Things got kind of chaotic over the last four minutes. Trey Calvin, one of the guards for Wright State, 
uh, got hot and uh, hit some buckets down the stretch. He ended up with 26 points. It did make it kind of hairy there for a minute or two. But Jared Godfrey got a big bucket, a couple free throws. Don's end up winning at 88 to 80. And, uh, that improves them to five and four in Horizon League play. And that, and that's important. Try to stay within a couple of games of first place because you're going to have these head to heads against some of the teams that are sitting above you right now. And one of those teams is Northern Kentucky with the Mastodons will play tomorrow night. But the Dons got balanced. They had five players that reached double figures. Quentin Morton-Robertson came off the bench, hit six of ten shots, three of seven from distance for 19 points. Jared Godfrey finished with 17. You got 14 apiece from Deontay Billups and uh, Anthony Roberts. And you got 13 points from Bobby Planudis. So well-rounded effort. Godfrey uh, added nine rebounds to a 17-point effort. And the Mastodons get a road win, holding uh, Wright State to about 30% from three, which the Mastodons right now are one of the top teams in the country. In fact, I think they're top ten now in the country in opponents' three-point field goal percentage against. And uh, oh, and one of the top rebounders in the country individually, Rob Hetty, also had nine rebounds in yesterday's game. Now they take on Northern Kentucky. That will be a challenge coming up tomorrow. Northern Kentucky is 7-2 and two in league play. And, boy, did they get a thriller. In fact, you might have even seen this because I believe it was one of SportsCenter's top ten plays was Marquez Warwick hitting about a 28-foot three-pointer at the buzzer to win it for Northern Kentucky by a point over Cleveland State. It, uh, I mean, it, it, Northern Kentucky was down like four points with eight seconds left. And at that point, I thought, okay, this one's over. And wouldn't you know, I checked my phone again and get the final score. Well, then I had to search and see how on earth did that happen. And all I see at 0.00, Marquez Warwick made three-pointer. And then I saw the highlight later on a video posted by ESPN. So, uh, Northern Kentucky comes in feeling good about themselves. They're one of the top defensive teams in the league, and uh, it should be a good one. That's tips at 6 o'clock tomorrow at the Truist Arena, which, uh, man, I tell you, there's some beautiful arenas in the Horizon League, and this is among them, an on-campus arena that's gorgeous. And, of course, the Nutter Center, a fantastic place at Wright State, where we were last night. A uh, big college game took place in Champaign. The Indiana Hoosiers. What's happened to this team? We can't sit and complain about them all day. They actually are playing some basketball now. You know, this started really with a players-only meeting that was held by Trace Jackson Davis. And to his credit, we've questioned his leadership, and we've questioned who is the leader of this team, because someone's got to take control of that locker room. Because when you see lack of effort, lack of defense, maybe a lack of chemistry at times, that's something where team leadership's got to get in some guys' faces, and they've got to lay things out the way they should be. And when you put on that uniform and you've got Indiana across the chest, it ought to mean something. You owe the fans something. And these guys played like they owed no one anything except maybe themselves. And uh, and all of a sudden, Indiana's now 
kind of turned things on and got a big road win against Illinois. So you take Wisconsin and Illinois back-to-back victories. And, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's two games. But it's a really good sign that they were able to take some of that toughness that they displayed against Wisconsin and take it on the road. Uh, and, and so huge win for Indiana. And it was all about Trace Jackson Davis last night because Illinois had no answer for TJD. 15 of 19 from the floor. I mean, you can't get much better than that. 15 of 19, nine rebounds, 35 points. And then to top it off, he not only had 35 points, he had five assists. Now, you know, assuming the assists were two points each, which I don't know if they were all two-pointers, that means he accounted personally for well over half of Indiana's total points. What a night for TJD. Yeah, he's. Uh, I remember earlier in the season you were kind of talking about uh, wanting him to take more shots, and now he's uh, up to 19 and hitting 15 of them. So that's that's definitely an improvement there. Yeah, and part of that is is Trace Jackson Davis having to be more assertive, but the other part is that the team has to realize they go through their star player. I mean, if if you don't identify who you want to lead and and who is your star player and who gives you the best chance to win and if all it is is about me getting mine and uh, if i can get open i'm shooting it you know that's where there's a problem that's what i love about purdue they know exactly what they are and who they need to feed and you got to feed the beast at the basket and that's zach Eady. and in this case last night iu became a little bit of a purdue version by feeding their big and realizing that's where the advantage was, and they just kept giving it to him, and he kept getting shots and making shots. And uh, and so, you know, you really have to give the credit to both sides, both the teammates who got him the basketball to give him 19 opportunities where he could make 15 field goals, but also you got to give credit to Trace Jackson Davis for getting himself in a position to be open for his teammates. And, uh, and then when he did end up being uh, doubled which was extremely rare i mean i i don't know if illinois doubled him all night and you know i I think that strategy is kind of interesting that that uh, illinois chose not to not to double on trace jackson davis he burned them all night long and in some some ways as a coach uh, you're thinking hey i think we can play him straight up if we hold him to 50 percent shooting the best he can do is hit two pointers. He's not going to hit threes against us. And that was kind of the strategy that Tom Izzo had with Zach Eady. And both those teams lost. So it does say something about basketball still being, uh, or post players still being relevant in today's basketball game. Trace Jackson Davis, 35 last night for IU as they uh, defeat Illinois. And, uh, you know, you, you know, you've got to peek ahead and see, okay, what's Indiana got next? Oh, it just happens to be that Michigan State Spartans team with Tom Izzo that doesn't like to double the post. Is he going to double Trace Jackson Davis? Because you might have another opportunity for Trace Jackson Davis to have a big game. And then you look ahead to the next one, and it's Minnesota. And Minnesota wasn't exactly great at handling uh, the size of, of Purdue. So, Indiana's got a chance now in the next couple of games to ride Trace Jackson Davis as uh, they'll be home to Michigan State coming up on Sunday at noon, and then they go on the road to Minnesota next Wednesday night before uh, coming back home and taking on Ohio State. 
you know, this is a real opportunity for Indiana. They could string some wins together because, you know, at home, I think they they can beat Michigan State. They've got to take that same intensity, especially defensively, because Hogarth is, is the real deal for Michigan State. Uh, Hauser, you can't let him get hot. And without Race Thompson, you've got to have somebody that can match up with Hauser, both inside and outside. That'll be an interesting matchup on how the Hoosiers match up against Hauser. But um, Michigan State comes into Bloomington Sunday. Then Indiana goes to Minnesota uh, before returning home to take on Ohio State. Uh, and then if you look at the end of January, they take on Maryland. So, uh, you know, this could be a positive string for the Hoosiers right now. I, uh, I, I you know, two wins. They could easily extend this to six. You know, you take it into February, and, uh, you know, you've got your challenges there with Purdue. You've got a road trip to Michigan, a road trip to Northwestern. Um, but, uh, but Purdue starts off February, so we know that's going to be a challenge. But, but, hey, if you can string some games together here to wrap up January, you've got to feel much better about where the Hoosiers are than maybe you felt a week ago. Uh, 46862 Sparkview Sports Medicine text line 46862 a lot happening in the world of sports a lot of coaching news let's get updated and Adam Lundy has today's top headlines all right let's get into today's top headlines for you there Brett uh, Michigan has fired co-offensive coordinator Matt Weiss the school announced in a statement released today Weiss had been on uh, leave amid a police investigation into alleged computer access crimes that occurred in December Left tackle. Well, I don't know what this is. What would be a what would be a computer access crime? Is that? I mean, it's a police investigation. Uh, we don't have any details, but it certainly leaves the door open to a lot of speculation when you talk about computer access crimes. But that's a big hole to fill. Because he was a big part of the development of, of uh, McCarthy, a quarterback. So that will be a, a big, you know, and, and with Michigan, you know, Jim Harbaugh said he's staying. But, you know, Jim Harbaugh, there's questions about whether he's lying to investigators who are looking into infractions against the Michigan football program. And then you've got this situation kind of uh, kind of question whether Jim Harbaugh is making the right decision to stay. All right. Sorry, Adam. I cut you off. Go ahead. No worries. Left tackle Jonah Williams and right guard Alex Kappa have been officially ruled out for the Cincinnati Bengals in Sunday's AFC Divisional Playoff game against the Buffalo Bills. And the Colts on Friday completed an interview for the team's head coaching position with Green Bay Packers special teams coordinator Rich Basaccia. Basaccia joined the Packers in 2022 after leading the Las Vegas Raiders to the playoffs in 2021 as an interim head coach. And uh, those are your top headlines for today, Brett. Interesting choice there, isn't it? Uh, Second special teams guy they've talked to. They talked to uh, Bubba Ventrone from their own staff. But uh, I I, I don't know. Is there a favorite among the candidates right now? I... (laughs) I don't think anybody's got the fan base unified and uh, on board with anybody over anyone else. I mean, Adam, if you had to look at everything that everybody they've talked to, I mean, the one that let's put it this way, the one that seemed to have most people excited and think there might be opportunity here that maybe the Colts are onto something was Ben Johnson. And he withdrew his name to go back to the Detroit Lions. So I. 
is there anybody that I mean, I really don't have anyone that's got me excited about being the next uh, Colts head coach at this point. Yeah, no one is really uh, jumping off the page, I would say, at me either. Um, I, I like the idea of Bubba, but at the same time, uh, it just it still doesn't you know have me chomping at the bits to see next season if Bubba Ventroni is the head coach of the Colts. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, um, I'm not too excited about that. Sorry, I'm just sitting here trying to drink my... My cola of choice. Um, <laughs> welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump in Cincinnati. I guess it's not really officially Cincinnati because we're across the Ohio River. We're in northern Kentucky, but we're right on the banks of the river looking into downtown Cincinnati. So that for a point of reference, broadcasting on the road today, Adam Lundy back in the studio uh, as our producer, still coming up on the show, we'll be talking to Zach Osterman. He'll be joining us from the Indy Star to talk about Indiana. Also, Alan Karpik, the publisher president of GoldenBlack.com, to give us more details on what's happening with the Purdue Boilermakers. In fact, speaking of Purdue, i got to admit, last night I had zero chance to follow any of the Purdue Boilermakers game other than to be able to watch the score. And uh, everybody kind of kept filling me in on the futility of Minnesota playing at home and just unable to really do much damage against that Purdue defense. But uh, having a chance to see the box score, Purdue with a win, 61-39, to Braden Smith had a bit of a breakout game. And, you know, that's the thing about this Boilermaker squad is they've got multiple guys that can step up at different times. It doesn't just have to be Zach Eady. It doesn't just have to be Fletcher Lawyer. Uh, Caleb First has popped up. You've got uh, Brandon Newman had a couple of big games earlier in the season. Braden Smith, 19 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists as uh, Purdue overwhelm minnesota now remember purdue comes in at number three right now but uh number two kansas got beat against kansas state so you could kind of feel like purdue taking care of business they'll be number two uh by the time no worse than number two by the time the next poll comes out but uh zach Eady, uh what an off night just 12 points six rebounds four blocks ho hum big yawn ah <laughs> oh. Uh, didn't have to do, didn't have to do a whole lot. Got, got almost a night off, but you know, it's, uh, it's still that threat of Edie at the basket that helps to create for his teammates. And in this case, Br- Braden Smith, big night for the Boilermakers as they get the win. And, uh, for, uh, for Purdue, they've got Maryland at Mackey Arena on Sunday. They go to Michigan, and then they've got Michigan State coming into Mackey Arena before they take on the Hoosiers at the beginning of February. So, you know, in all seriousness, I mean, I do would have to terribly stumble in my book uh, because they're very good at home. And then their road game to Michigan, which has been kind of an up-and-down team. Of course, they had the season-ending injury to their point guard and uh, – and so you've got uh, McDaniel, who's had to take over as the point guard. He's done a fine job, but it does shorten up the bench a little bit at that position for Michigan. I I don't see Purdue really being threatened. I don't think Maryland's a big threat, especially at Mackey Arena. 
I, I think Purdue can take care of business at Michigan. Uh, this team has shown that they've got the toughness to win on the road. And then I'd give Purdue the advantage, obviously, over Michigan State, uh, especially after what we just saw with the way Michigan State defended or didn't defend Zach Eady. I, I think Purdue uh, will have the advantage over Michigan State when they play in the rematch at Mackey Arena coming up uh, on January 29th. So Purdue in pretty good shape. They're uh, they're going to hold on. I don't know who Houston's got coming up on their schedule. They they don't play in a conference where they've got a lot of threats, and so I don't know. But uh, you know, speaking of threats, um, I guess Gonzaga could probably feel like they don't play in a conference where they get a lot of threats either. And guess what happened last night? What the Zags go down. 75-game home streak is over. Gonzaga falls to Loyola Marymount last night at home. Zags down. Uh, It's very clear that this is the decline of the Gonzaga program. It's finished. Mark Few (laughs) uh, might as well start scheduling his departure. It's it's over for the Zags. Um, No, really, though, this is a huge win for Loyola Marymount just to just to put an end to that streak. And no matter how great a team is and how much of an advantage they have over opponents, nothing is going to last forever. Kind of proof of that last night. Big win for Loyola Marymount. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't see that one. I didn't have that one on my uh, on my betting sheet last night, Loyola Marymount over Gonzaga. <laughs> yeah, it, um, it, was, it was somewhat unlikely. I wonder what the line was on that game. I never oh, I'd love did to know. look. But I will bet Gonzaga had to be, what, a 12, 13-point favorite, 14-point. I mean, they, they had to be a double-digit favorite over uh, Loyola Marymount. I'm trying to see if I can find it real quick. Um, 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. Also, uh, big game tonight, Michael Lewis, Ball State Cardinals. They are hitting the road to take on Kent State tonight, and that's a huge game. Uh Kent State is 15-3. and three. Of course, the Cardinals have, what, won 7 of 8 or something, 8 of 9, whatever the streak is. And uh, they take a 13-5 and five record into Kent State tonight to take on uh, Kent State. So that should be a good one. Kent State, I know, is, uh, what, 7 or 8-point favorite? I think it's 8-point favorite right now. Yeah, Gonzaga last night was a minus 15 favorite. 15-point favorite. Wow. Wow. So, uh, huge win for, uh, for Loyola Marymount. 46862. Uh, as we said, the Parkview Sports Medicine text line did have some people weighing in. First of all, talking about the Colts and their coaching situation. It says, uh, Sports Rush, Jim Ursay has no idea what he is doing. I bet Ben Johnson <laughs> wanted to stay in Detroit because Indy is so dysfunctional and is run by an incompetent owner. Ursay should just coach the team himself. Why would anyone want to work for Ursay? Well, first of all, Ursay's been around for a long time, and he probably does have quite a bit of knowledge, but sometimes having knowledge and applying it are two different things. Um, you know, the toughest thing is when you're the smartest person in the room, and Jim Ursay just might be. I'm not going to say he's he's dumb, but the problem is when you're the smartest guy in the room, but you use that knowledge to correct everyone 
and uh, constantly uh, uh, question everyone else's decisions or what everyone else does because you may know better. But the only problem is it makes you look like a, you know, meddling fool or, uh, you know, whatever. And, and in reality, you know, Jim Irsay, I think, does have a lot of experience and knowledge. I'm not going to say he's an idiot, but I will say he's frustrated with his football team. He's frustrated by not making it to the playoffs. He's frustrated by not getting another run at the Super Bowl. I think he's still frustrated because of Andrew Luck stepping up and retiring. And all of that has added up, and maybe it has put him in a position where he feels like, I can't take it anymore. I don't have that much time left with this football team. It, time is running out for me. And maybe that has made him a little more involved in the public perception and maybe even the uh, professional perception from those that are interviewing or those that maybe have been asked about their interest in this position. Maybe that's interfered. And I, I, I don't think that that was the situation with with Johnson. I, I think Ben Johnson thought, uh, I've got a pretty good thing here in Detroit. I've got personnel that I believe in. And I think I can do better than the opportunities that are there. I don't know that it's the owner that made the decision here. I think it's probably more the personnel. The Colts don't have a quarterback. It's going to be a process. And maybe Ben Johnson would rather not have the process. Maybe he wants to go in knowing exactly who he's going to be working with. And, uh, and, and, you know, and he's also very young. So in his mind, maybe he believes another year or two of being an offensive coordinator is going to give me a better opportunity to pick and choose the job I want and not have to settle for the job that's open or has an interest in me. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, what else have we got? I thought, I thought there was something else. How about them boilers? Yeah, that came in as soon as we started the show. Somebody wanted us to talk about Purdue. Yes, Purdue has been terrific. We've got to get to a break because we've got uh, Zach Osterman who's going to join us. I didn't even realize how late it was. Having so much fun just hanging out here in northern Kentucky. So we'll talk to Zach when we return. Keep it locked in. It's a Friday edition of the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Indiana Hoosiers get a big road win last night over Illinois. We're going to talk Indiana sports with Zach Osterman, who joins us right now on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline. Of course, Zach with the Indy Star covering the Indiana beat. And before we get into basketball, real quick, Tavon Jackson is now a Indiana Hoosier. And uh, as far as Tom Allen making this pickup and getting his quarterback... Uh, what does this mean to the program? Because to me, it's like, is this is this a message to the fan base or is this a message to new recruits and other recruits that are out there? To me, this is a really big pickup and a much needed pickup for Tom Allen and the Indiana Hoosiers. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, you don't want to overstate it just in the sense that obviously Jackson's still fairly young in, in, in you know college football terms for a quarterback. And, and he doesn't have... Um, a ton of experience yet. Um, he, he's gotten some snaps, some reps. Um, and it is worth saying, you know, I, I have a couple good friends that cover Tennessee. 
And, you know, I just kind of asked them, you know, just informally. Um, and they said, you know, Tennessee didn't run him off. Tennessee was not trying to get rid of him. This wasn't a, hey, Taven, maybe you should examine your other options kind of situation. Um, you know, again, I just you don't want to overstate it simply because he's obviously still got something to prove himself as a player just because he hasn't played a ton in college. But, you know, anybody who saw him at Center Grove, I think, knows that, of course, Center Grove, you know, isn't the, the most pass-happy offense in the state or anything like that. But you could see his athletic ability, um, his quarterback tools. Obviously, he's got great size. You saw him play basketball. You know that he's got, you know, when we talk about athleticism, people often think just about basically how high you can jump. But he's got, you know, a, a lot of the different sort of details of, of athletic ability in terms of his, his body control, his short space quickness, things like that. Um, and there were people that genuinely saw him in, you know, like the Elite 11 settings and the passing camp settings when he was a recruit and, and thought he might even be undervalued. And this is a, a kid that was a top 200 player, was, I think, a top 10, top 12 quarterback in his class. And, and there were people that thought those numbers might be too low. And so you certainly are getting a quarterback that I think, um, especially because he's enrolling, you know, he's enrolled already. He's going to go through all off season, all of spring ball. Um, you're going to get a chance to really build around him and, and, and build with him. And um, if you're Walt Bell, if you're Tom Allen, if you're, you know, kind of any piece of that offensive staff, um, you've got a guy with just a ton of tools, a guy who's obviously a proven winner. Um, and it wasn't, again, you know, Center Grove, maybe not the most pass-happy offense, but it's not like Center Grove just handed the ball off 60 times a game either. He had to make plays. He had to make throws. He had to make plays with his legs. He did both consistently. Won a couple state championships um, at the highest level in this state for one of the most dominant teams I've ever seen. Do you like his makeup and kind of his intangibles as well? It was a big pickup for Tom Allen. And, and to be fair to him, what has been a, a really good month, month and a half in terms of players, intriguing players, he's either flipped out of high school or added from the portal. Um, you know, for where IU football was at the end of the 2022 season, I think they've had a pretty good, pretty good December and January. Well, I kind of feel like Tom Allen had Indiana football trending toward uh, college football purgatory in some ways. I mean, you didn't really know where this program was headed. And what you did know seemed to make it look like it was headed in the wrong direction. And all I'm saying is, does this kind of steer the ship the right way right now? Yes, we're all going to evaluate how he performs. We're all going to evaluate next fall wins and losses. But at least momentum for the program. And this is such an important part of the off season because recruiting gets fans excited. It you know it, it kind of just grows the the program in general. Doesn't this kind of at least trend the program in a better direction than it was a few weeks ago? Yeah, I think you would have been surprised to see Tom Allen able to reverse the momentum as well as he has. And you're right. And I wrote this, and I think everybody broadly agrees with this. The only thing that cures the ills of a program like IU football wins, you know, and, and, and no amount of recruiting success, no amount of impressive spring performance or anything like that is, is going um, is gonna to replace that. But, you know, if, if you were an IU fan, you know, through, let, let's say in particular that long losing streak last season, you were just wondering, is there, is there any path at all? kind of getting the program back into a competitive place under Tom Allen. And you did, frankly. I think you would have been justified in feeling like, you know, I don't see one, you know, and feeling like there's 
there wasn't an obvious one. Um, but I think that, that, you know, number one, the fight Indiana put up in their last couple games, of course, the Purdue game, we'll never know exactly what happens if Dexter Williams doesn't suffer his injury, but they win at Michigan State. And number two, some of the success that they had uh, in the offseason in, in terms of you know, a couple guys they probably kept out of the portal, some guys they pulled out of the portal, and then I would even you know talk about uh, hiring uh, Bostad from uh, Wisconsin, their new offensive line coach, who comes incredibly well credentialed. Um, it at least gives you a sense of you know that there is there's a direction again for the program that if they have a good spring, if they have a good summer, um, you might see a, a more competitive product in the fall. Last night, the Indiana Hoosiers get a road win over Illinois. I- I've been very critical of the Hoosier played on the road because I said it is a sign of being a soft basketball team when you don't take that toughness. Because quite honestly, Zach, in college basketball, you've got to be the tougher team and noticeably the tougher team to be able to go on the road and win. And uh, all of a sudden, it seems to me, and, and, and I want to get your take on this, but it seems to me like over the last two games, Indiana has gotten back to their identity. They found what their identity is. And I think us as fans all knew what the identity was. It's defense first and feed your your star player. But they seem to have found that as a collective group. Am I right? No, I think that's fair. And, you know, in fairness to them, uh, we, we've talked about, and by we, I mean, I mean you, I mean me, I mean just the people that, are either fans or are paid to talk about this program in, in some form or fashion. You know, we've kind of said for a while, Indiana's got to figure out a way to sort of live without Ray Thompson and Xavier Johnson. The flip side to that is you don't just snap your fingers and do that. You, there's going to have to be some trial and error. A player like Jordan Geronimo is a great example. Obviously really struggled when his, when his, uh, excuse me, I'm tripping over my words, when his minutes initially went up after Ray Thompson's injury. He's gotten a lot better his last two games, 25 points, 19 rebounds. Uh, he had 13 in the first half last night. He had five offensive rebounds in the win over Wisconsin. And it's sort of, you know, I think that there's this there's this tendency to say, well, where was that to begin with? And, and the answer is, well, you know, a guy like that's got to play his way into that comfort level a little bit. And that's not to say he's going to go for 13-8 and eight every single game for the rest of the year. But it's more to say that you could understand why Indiana might need just a little bit of adjustment time um, in in terms of figuring out, you know, kind of how to how to manage without those guys, the two guys that are injured. And you're starting to see more of that. And I think it's particularly relevant because these have been two impressive wins, undeniably. Um, but they have both been via a formula you lay out there that's very repeatable for this team. You know, Indiana got outshot substantially at the free-throw line last night. I think they were outshot at the free-throw line in the Wisconsin game, too. They didn't hit a ton of threes. There was nobody that tripled their career, you know, their, their season average in any of those games. Obviously, Trace Jackson Davis isn't going to score 35 points a night. But the, the point is, there are a lot of elements of these performances that are very replicable and, and are very sort of overlayable onto other other uh, games that Indiana's got coming up. In particular, I would say the Illinois performance, because if you'd asked me yesterday at this time, you know, 24 hours ago, I would have said, I don't know how Indiana manages the matchups here with Mayer, with Shannon, with how good Illinois is statistically protecting the rim and defending twos and defending the paint. And Indiana just flipped all of that, you know, I mean, confidently, assertively, consistently for pretty much all 40 minutes. 
And so I think it's it's not just that you win these games, but it is it is the way that you're winning them and the sense that these are performances that are very repeatable for this team in, you know, listen, you, you start winning games like this, suddenly the, the games ahead gain more meaning because you're back in that conversation of can you get into a good NCAA tournament position? Can you push your way up the Big Ten standings, et cetera? Um, it, 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 these are the kinds of performances that you can overlay onto the games you've got coming up and say, we can have more success playing this way. We saw Tom Izzo do this with Michigan State against Zach Eady last night. We saw Brad Underwood with Illinois. And I don't want to say refuse to double team, but resist double teaming in the low block. Indiana is not a great three-point shooting team. they got a couple of guys that you might want to keep an eye on. But overall, not a great three-point shooting team. Were you surprised at how... How often Trace Jackson Davis found himself in the paint, down low, with one-on-one opportunities? I mean, candidly, yes. You know, just, I think, uh, uh, I mean, it, it, it was it was very surprising. And, and obviously, Illinois did bring a few doubles. They didn't do a ton of it. Um, I, I, I can distinctly remember one uh, second-half possession where they finally brought a double and Jackson Davis scored anyway. Um, which is kind of the danger sometimes you get into. Of if, if you let a player like that find his rhythm, find his comfort zone, then you know once you adjust, it's too late. I think you understand where Brad Underwood came from. Again, you know if, if you looked at Illinois' numbers before last night, they were top ten, top fifteen nationally in opponent two point percentage, in block rate, in opponent effective field goal percentage, in percentage of opponents points coming on twos. Like they were just an out standing team defensively in the paint and around the rim. But there is an extent. And also, too, I think, to, to be fair to Brad Underwood, I think he, I think probably if you could get him in a candid moment, he'd say, I don't love doubling down low because I want to be able to leak some of my more athletic wing players out for transition opportunities. That's the way Illinois plays. You know, that's the way Underwood maybe not in the last few years because he's built a lot around Kofi Coburn. But if you look at his time at Stephen F. Austin, his time at Oklahoma State, and even what he's kind of done when Illinois had success this year, that's been part of it. Um, but at some point, you got to adjust. I mean, at some point, you just, you know, it, it, you looked up and it's like, you know, Trace Jackson Davis was 8 of 9. He was 10 of 12. He was, it wasn't even like he scored 35 points, but he needed 27 shots. You know, it, it, he took 19 field goal attempts, and he had 5 of 6. So, you, you know, not only was he getting points, the offense was running through him in some really impressive ways. And Indiana didn't hit a ton of threes in that game. They did hit some big ones, though. They got a couple early that really, I think, when Illinois was tagging its defense a little bit, maybe Illinois suddenly feels like, oh, maybe we have to go out to the three-point line tonight. And then Miller Cop had one late that, that really kind of, it didn't end an Illinois run, but it did feel like kind of an answer to one of Illinois' many runs in the second half that, that really felt like one of kind of the, the last knockout punches. And so... Again, I, I mean, I can't speak for Brad Underwood. I understand why he backed his team to, to, to defend uh, uh, Trace Jackson Davis in single coverage early. It is surprising that Illinois just never really adjusted meaningfully as Jackson Davis got going. We know about the meeting, the closed-door meeting, a players-only meeting that Trace Jackson Davis reportedly led for Indiana. Have you gotten any kind of indication, word, or hint what the context of that meeting exactly was? 
You know, I mean, everybody kind of played it down. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis talked a little bit about it last night. He said it wasn't some really formal thing. It wasn't, uh, you know, everybody get in here and and sit down and shut up and listen kind of thing. It was a, um, it was just sort of a a, a sit down player to player. Let's, Let's remind each other what the goal is, what our best traits are, how we win games. And I think that, you know, it's obviously at an enormously smaller scale. But I help coach a little five team, a little 500, the bike race down in Bloomington. And I can tell you right now that the most difficult thing with college-age athletes, and at least in my experience males, because I've only ever coached guys' teams, is just to get them to hold each other accountable. because Not because they're lazy or because of some generational divide, but simply because they want to be friends. These, these guys are their friends. They're the people they hang out with, the people they eat with, the people they study with, the people they party with, all that kind of stuff. And they just don't want to upset the herd too much. And they don't want to be, you know, even a senior captain doesn't want to always have to be the guy that, you know, sort of is, is just harping on everybody else. We used to call, when I was, when I rode Little Five, we used to call our captain the fun police because, you know, he was the one that was always kind of getting on our case about every little thing. Um, but the flip side is when you get that, when you get a, a player, even a senior captain, even a guy as, as, as individually accomplished as Trace Jackson Davis, willing to stand up and just kind of say, hey, we need to come together and we need to have a, a, a you know, a, a tough-minded discussion here that, that doesn't involve coaches. We don't need anybody else to tell us what we already know. Um, it resonates a lot. And it resonates a lot, too, when it's a player who had 30 points in Iowa, who had 18 and 24 against Northwestern, who's been playing with a back injury so bad and so persistent that he only started practicing for the first time in more than a month this week. Um, teammates see that. They see, okay, he's he's not just sitting up here telling us what we got to do better. He's trying with everything he's got to get us there. And it doesn't have to be some Hollywood moment where everybody is, is everybody comes together and there's some, you know, there's some moving John Williams score playing in the background. It's just something that breaks the monotony of game recovery, practice game recovery, practice, and just kind of gets everybody sort of shaken loose and back into the right mindset. And listen to, to whatever extent it, it's contributed to the last two, two games and the last two performances, obviously it has helped Indiana. Always appreciate you, Zach. Have a great weekend. Look forward to your coverage in the Indy Star covering Indiana Athletics, and uh, and we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. That is Zach Osterman from the Indy Star joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline. Got to get a timeout in. Hour number two comes your way next. Time to put the work week behind you and talk about a sports weekend. We've got that starting next on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.